This is Envision Self Healing Podcast, episode number 58. And I'm Richard Miller. And we are the co-creators of EnvisionSelfHealing.com and are dedicated in helping you improve your eyesight and quality of life by taking healing into your own hands. Now, if you haven't had a chance already, don't forget to head over to EnvisionSelfHealing.com where you can get your hands on a free ebook that has 10 top tips on how you can start improving your eyesight in our modern day world. The topic of the week this week is peripheral vision loss. And in the question of the week, we're answering a question from an adult who has strabismus and is wondering whether to get the strabismus surgery. So Richard, how's the world of self-healing been treating you this week? Well, this week I called and uh, made an appointment with the uh, Berkeley, UC Berkeley uh, School of Optometry, the Low Vision Clinic. There we go, got that all out. <laughs> Could you find it? <laughs> I, oh, I've been there before. <laughs> I, I don't think people, people will remember, but I went before and they, um, uh, they put me into the non-low vision clinic because I hadn't been through the process yet, one of those bureaucratic things. Anyway, huh. so I'm making my second attempt to go there. And I thought I would talk a little bit, just briefly about, it may seem odd to our viewers that I'm going to see an optometrist, I suppose. So I wanted to just briefly explain my philosophy on this. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, everyone is an individual so you may be out there and wearing your glasses less as, as a way of doing eye exercises. Mm -hmm. You might be someone who takes your glasses off completely and never wears them again. There's, there's a lot of variation. Mm -hmm. For me, I want to be able to drive. So hold on, you mean that people would question why you go into an ophthalmologist right. when you're a natural vision improvement Exactly, oh, exactly, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I wanted you. to sort of like explain that we're not completely opposed to any optometry or any kind of aids, visual assistance, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So for me, I want to be able to drive. Mm -hmm. And I could, in theory, drive uh, at my vision level now. It's, it is legal. I could do it. And that's our mentor, Mayor Schneider, does drive with a little bit better vision than I have. Mm -hmm. But I've taken the philosophy, I'd rather see a little bit better. I'd rather use some devices to see a little bit better okay. when I drive. Hmm. And these particular low vision glasses have a telescope on them. It's like a three power telescope so that I can see further ahead. Okay. So I, I, it's just an example of we're not completely opposed to, to some medical technologies and obviously surgeries and things like that. I just didn't want us to get pigeoned right into that group yeah and i guess i mean an example uh we we had a, a nice uh, success uh, story last couple of weeks uh, a client uh, that came and uh, saw her, she had a retinal detachment and she was right. seeing 2100 with glasses and now she sees 2040 with glasses so she's still she she's improved she's improved through the eye exercises but she's now 2040 with her glasses, so right. she, you know, she's she's two steps off the twenty twenty line, um, which at this point in time, you know, with something as serious as your retina detaching, you know, it's it's still good that she's seeing that um, right level. It's more when glasses become a crutch, right. and for most people that are wearing their glasses, is for something a lot more simpler, yeah. you know, just um, presbyopia or nearsightedness or something yeah. that isn't as and, and that's one of the subtleties I wanted to get into is that if, you're, if you have a serious vision condition like you and I do, 
then glasses become an option once you've developed your vision mm -hmm. to the level well, okay, now if I just wore glasses on occasion, mm -hmm. I could drive or some, some capability comes back, yeah. then it's worth it mm -hmm. uh, for us. For the average, well, actually, it's never worth it for you given your condition, actually. But, yeah. um, but for the average person with myopia or something, then it's a different story. Everybody's mm -hmm. an individual, I guess, in that, yeah. in that sense. Yeah, and it's to find where that line is, where that right. line is. Uh, another good example, I guess, is, is um, Mia Schneider's children. And, and right. people will say, well, how come they wear glasses? That's right, yeah. Like, the idea that, that, you know, one of the main influences of vision improvement in, in today's society, Mia Schneider, that his kids should have perfect 2020, right, 2015 vision and, yeah. and not have glasses. Um, but they were born with congenital cataracts, so they were born with cataracts, and they had those removed, and they removed the lens. So they wear the glass, even though they get to still, they still they're get still to like 20, 30. Exactly, they're pretty good without glasses. Uh, without their glasses, but they use them in order to get to that 2020, 2015. 2015, yeah. Um, to see a little bit clearer. And then just a, the last clarification is I used to wear these glasses for a job I had. I was a typesetter and I wore them eight hours a day, five days a week. And it was one eye, and I, I would not do that again because right. that was sort of this is before I mm -hmm. got into natural vision improvement, and that would be using one eye all day long through mm -hmm. a, through a telescope. So I would never do that again. But. And that's another thing to bring up is that um, eye strain. Once you through the eye exercises, you become a lot more aware of what eye strain is, how long maybe you should be wearing your glasses. Straight off, most people we find their prescription is too strong anyway right straight away and that causes a lot of their eye strain so when you really work with the eye exercises and start getting more of an understanding of where your vision is and where it plateaus um, then you can start experimenting a bit more just like yeah Richard is yeah so I, I thought that would be an opportunity to clarify yeah. that, that we're not completely opposed mm -hmm. to those kinds of things so anyway nice. how was your week uh, good good well and for busy <laughs> Um, I uh, have had a, ve a very busy week uh, ah. this week and uh, I'm sure a lot of people that are finding it difficult to do their eye exercises will be pleased to hear that I wasn't very good at doing my eye exercises. <laughs> well, that's saying a lot because this, this guy is the champion. <laughs> so a lot of it uh, came from uh, my fiance was on spring break oh, uh, right, right, this right. week. Right. So uh, me getting up at 5.30 in the morning to do my eye exercises doesn't necessarily allow her to, to get uh, as a nice No wonder I didn't get any texts at six in the morning <laughs> this week. So, uh, and, and just been extremely busy um, with work and, and whatnot. So I kind of missed that, that early morning period where right. I do quite a, a bulk of my exercises. So the good thing that, that came out of this is that um, I haven't had too much of a chance to do my exercises. And I noticed the buildup of eye strain. Interesting, yeah. Um, which I talked about, you know, missing a couple of days before, but I wasn't using the computer or watching TV too much. I was pretty much out in the field working, as, as you could say. Um, so, but I did notice, I guess, uh, a big discrepancy between the left and right because I wasn't obstructing as much. Um, then I really felt my right eye dominating more. But one thing I found that was really interesting is that when I did stop to do a peripheral vision exercise, I just felt complete relaxation. Huh. Like just my, wow. my mind would kind of let go, my body would relax, my shoulders would drop. Just that, we joke about um, you know, central vision, central fixation, always uh, yeah. looking forwards, never really tuning into the world around you, kind of creates a bit of a stressful 
environment. Uh, I'm always, you know, thinking dead ahead. We obviously also joke that me being a Sagittarius as well, that I'm always firing those arrows <laughs> straight ahead instead yeah. of uh, looking in the world uh, around me. Yeah. So um, when I did stop, and even if it was just for a minute and just tune into the periphery, I noticed that I would take a deep breath, mm-hmm. uh, my body would relax, my mind would relax, and I could kind of take a bit of a time out. So it was, it was really worth it for me this week um, to not have done those exercises to really see uh, how much of effect the, the, the peripheral vision exercise does have on me, not just on improving my peripheral vision, uh, but also the psychological aspect of allowing me to relax and to de-stress a little bit. And this might also be, I don't know if this is an official term, but positive body memory. Mm-hmm. So like you could get into the exercise more quickly because of how much time you've devoted to it over the years, your body yeah. remembers how to feel relaxed. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. And yeah. just like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the brain that changes itself. Um, and indeed, my norm is is to have a relaxed visual system and that I'm more in tune to my periphery even though I have difficulty there in the periphery uh, I'm still used to having access to it and having awareness there so that was kind of my norm so the stress um, and the, the central fixa- say, uh, central fixation and really switching off from my periphery is kind of more of a one-off abnormality yeah so my brain was used to the relaxation so that when I tuned back in again to that relaxation, it was like, oh, this is a, a memory. This is yeah, kind of like what body memory, yeah. Oh, this is how we used to be mm-hmm. before this crazy week. Um, mm-hmm. So, but if it's the other way around, how I was maybe a year or two ago, where always centrally focused, stress and strain all through the central vision, then, you know, on the odd occasion, I would tune into the periphery and then not necessarily pay yeah. too much of attention so now because it's become a habit because i do it on a regular basis then uh, i'm that much more in tune and much more aware of that periphery yeah. and that relaxation yeah so it also showed to me the importance of having that morning yeah. session um yeah. as much as i i like to like the idea of doing my exercises maybe later on in the afternoon I know. it just never works out yeah. so uh, and that's not always the case for everyone but it's a uh, it's a bit of a reminder how yeah. important it is that I get in that early morning uh, structure to my day so that I can really fit in that time to do the eye exercises with the periphery. And I did notice when I was out and about, in particularly downtown, that's kind of my peripheral gauge, right. you say, in my environment, um, that I really was more centrally focused and I wasn't paying as much attention to mm. the periphery. So it really showed to me the importance of of, of how this peripheral vision exercise really is affecting mm-hmm. uh, my vision. And, and almost, it kind of scared me actually a little bit. I was kind of like, oh, we, uh, you know, this is how close I could be to just completely shutting down my yeah, peripheral vision. Yeah. And how I've been for the last X amount of years, I don't even know because the brain just switches off. Yeah. So I don't know when I started losing that, that awareness in the periphery. But it just goes to show how quick it can happen and where I have been all this time. Um, so that's why I really wish that I could have spent more time earlier on doing these peripheral vision exercises. Yeah, yeah. So some good insight there anyway yeah, for this yeah, week. Yeah, very good. Okay, great. Well, I think it's a good time to move on to topic of the week. And the topic
topic of the week this week is peripheral vision loss, which uh, ironically we were just talking about, <laughs> of course. Uh, so we're really trying to come up with some um, diverse uh, ideas as possible to really reach out to as many different audiences as possible with these podcasts. So uh, we certainly get quite a lot of questions and there are also many conditions out there with peripheral right. vision loss. So we wanted to discuss it a little bit in general. Uh, obviously for myself, my peripheral vision loss comes from a condition called retinitis pigmentosa where the peripheral cells are affected. Um, they don't necessarily know uh, the cause, which is uh, there's a lot of research into genes and um, resynthesis of, of protein cells there. Uh, some people also maybe talk about the liver, some also talk about uh, a vitamin D deficiency, not necessarily with RP, but that, that could be mm-hmm. a reason for peripheral vision. Vitamin A as well, loss. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, in fact, probably more vitamin A. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking vitamin D. It's the sunlight thing. Oh, yeah, okay. that's what you're going for, the night vision. I know, you were, you were doing a reverse association, <laughs> I think. Vitamin A, yes. So there's particular conditions, just like okay. RP, that, that tend to uh, lead to peripheral vision loss. And there's also other conditions like... Like glaucoma, mm-hmm. in particular. Do you want to explain um, a little bit more why you think that? Um, well, that glaucoma is the increase of pressure within the eyeball, which pushes back on what's called the optic disc where the blood uh, where the blood vessels go out to the the, the the blood vessels go out to the retina crossing this optic disc so putting pressure there uh, puts pressure on both the blood vessels and the nerves and it affects mainly the periphery again mm-hmm. uh, it seems like nature has given us well first of all nature gave us peripheral vision first it's sort of the sort of an early evolutionary vision that sees motion and doesn't see color uh, doesn't see detail very well, but it's very good for being in the jungle or something in terms mm-hmm. of uh, prey and being being a predator and being a prey. We talk about that a lot in the in the ebook. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Dagar from Proving Eye. So we use uh, Caveman Dave as our mm-hmm. analogy of how he's used to being out in the wild, needing that sense of peripheral vision all the way around him, right. either attack uh, or indeed for hunting, right? Uh, as well, so that. Um, you know, you could uh, also see movement of anything that's that's around you in order to either run away from danger or go get something. So, but what's ha- the the difference in structure between the periphery and the central is the periphery just has less nerve cells attached to the to the uh, photoreceptors, so it makes it a little more vulnerable to loss essentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas cone cells in the center have one nerve connected to each cone. And, and there are more of them as well. Well, there's, I'm sorry, there's more of the uh, peripheral cells, but they're, as I say, connected to different, uh, there are more individual photoreceptors connected to one nerve than there are in the, in the central vision. So this just makes the periphery more vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, to loss for, due to blood flow or mm-hmm. some other malfunction. So there's, the main things are RP and glaucoma but then people start losing periphery for various other mm-hmm. eye condition reasons. Yeah, we've noticed it from um, things like retinal detachment. You'll know right. if you have a retinal detachment, but certainly um, either where the retina has detached or a particular area that might have got a lack right. of uh, blood flow. Um, there's there's could really be you know, many a lot conditions of reasons, that yeah. are affecting. Now, just to get some idea of a scale, 
the central vision is 3% of what it is that you're seeing. Um, you've got 6 million cone cells, whereas in the periphery you have 120 million rod cells. So there's a real big difference there between central vision and peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly um, that awareness there and just like what Richard said, um, there's almost more room for error. Yeah, it's, it's just a more vulnerable part of your retina mm -hmm. in some ways. But then uh, two other things that are not related to um, serious vision conditions are people age and they get a loss of night vision. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing, it doesn't seem connected, but the periphery is actually where all your night vision is as well. Mm -hmm. The same cells that handle your periphery handle your night vision. And this is why you lose color, you lose uh, color sense in the, mm -hmm. in the dark because mm -hmm. those cells were not designed to see a lot of color. And also why some people might think that their peripheral vision is blurry. Uh, and right. it's mainly because what you're seeing with your central visions, and, and Bates was really uh, hot on this. Uh, and in fact, we talked a few weeks uh, past about, I think it might have been a question of the week, how come I could see the letters clearly when I scan them across a road sign instead of just looking at them right. in one big bulk. Because it's that central vision, uh, that 1% of the retina, 3% of the, the field of vision there, that you're seeing crisp and clear and everything around it um, is, I guess, either grainier or some people might describe it as blurrier. It's kind of uh, different it's, depending on your perspective. Yeah, it's kind of lower resolution is really mm -hmm. what it is. Because again, there are less nerve cells connected in there. So it's not meant to be as clear mm -hmm. as the central vision. So. An example, I guess, is either watching um, this video um, or, or a video on maybe uh, a lower resolution right. uh, phone or something. Yeah, smartphone. it's almost like, you know, what they do the night scenes in a video and it gets a little grainy and a little yeah. blurry. It's kind of, kind of like that. Mm -hmm. But we don't notice that because we don't really, we're so centrally fixated, mm -hmm. we don't really pay attention to how blurry it is out there. And then what happens is our central vision that moves from place to place to place, what we call shifting. Um, you could also look it up as saccadic movements. And that's what then sends that clear message to the brain where it's put together. So we think that the whole world around us is clear. And this is a big part of why we think with uh, glasses that people are used to the whole world around them seeming crystal clear. So they're so shocked when they stop wearing their glasses, that things aren't all clear right. all around them. And it's kind of natural that everything around you isn't clear, that's your peripheral vision. So movement and low level light is the specialized cells for uh, periphery. Yeah. So those of you that find peripheral vision loss uh, will also or can also find it more difficult being in the dark. Right, which you're an example of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So otherwise known as night blindness, um, mm -hmm. something that I've always had, uh, even as a child. So I know that that's, that's always been there, even though with the RP, they kind of diagnose it when they see uh, black spots around in the peripheral vision. But obviously not, not ever really having that night vision shows that the RP was always there and that the black area is more of a, a sign or a symptom rather than necessarily RP. So um, it might also be with the night vision is also the pupil isn't um, dilating the pupils in order for us to see in the world around us. The pupil dilates, it gets bigger, so we can take in more light. So those that are in the dark, then you see that your pupils are dilated. Those of you that have been to the ophthalmologist and they test, uh, they have to put some drops in your eye in order to see the back of your eye. That's because when you have light, um, it triggers the response to constrict the pupils, so it's difficult for them to see the back 
right. of the eye, of the retina. So they give you these drops to paralyze the, uh, yeah. the pupillary muscles there yeah. so that it can't actually constrict. Very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you have to get on public transport afterwards. It's, yeah, all, it's yeah, always a problem. Yeah. So, but your yeah. your pupil is dilating in order for you uh, yeah. to see better at night. So, some people find that with A's that the retina is fine, um, but their pupillary muscles are becoming weak, so they're not dilating as much as they should be, right? Um, or need to be in order to get in uh, as much light as possible in order for you to see better in the periphery. So. And that could be another reason, I know with LASIK now they're starting to give, um, because with LASIK one of the, the successful side effects is that it leaves scarring around the cornea so that at night time when the pupil dilates, the light hits that, that bit of scarring and it creates halos. Right, right, yeah. So what they're doing is uh, to get around that, this only really happens in, in, in younger people because their pupils are strong enough in order to dilate far enough out right. to the scar tissue is that they're giving drugs to the young kids, not just giving them drugs, they're yeah, giving them, <laughs> <laughs> giving them uh, drugs that um, they constrict the pupil, constrict the pupil yeah. to prevent this blurriness from happening. Yeah. But of course, that's still going to affect your night vision because the pupil isn't dilating right. as much. So peripheral vision loss could also be uh, to do a little bit more with the pupil. Yeah, oh, and the last thing we were gonna, I was going to bring up in terms of peripheral vision loss is somebody uh, communicated on Facebook, I think it was about this, is anxiety. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a, the, the expression you have tunnel vision, meaning you, you kind of close down your world and you mm -hmm. see there's an actual physical effect if you get anxious that you start to lose periphery. And I don't know the physical reason for that, but it, it is fairly common. So. Yeah, I, I, there, there is a, a blog I did on this, um, does anxiety and stress make yeah. eyesight worse? Because I particularly noticed again when I was downtown uh, with you know the noises and the stress and, yeah. and everything that's going on that my my periphery would just shut down. Yeah. Uh, and a good friend of ours, uh, Sean, who also has uh, RP, he right. noticed a big shrink in his uh, vision as well when he was out at a park one time doing eye exercises, huh. and he was kind of. Uh, embarrassed he was kind of new to the world of eye exercise he could hear people uh, nearby and he, and he really noticed this shrinking oh, as the embarrassment the came on the anxiety of that yeah, yeah. so sure. certainly and, and of course one thing with you know the lack of periphery it's very difficult um, I know a lady that we had with glaucoma and she was losing her peripheral vision and um, she was a very outgoing person. I uh, used to go to the gym all the time, used to go out with her friends uh, in the evenings, go out mm -hmm. shopping and, and whatnot. And uh, she started, I guess, as the periphery was shrinking, her herself was becoming more dependent on being indoors, all right. stop going out to the gym, stop going out to the shops, stop going out at night because she couldn't see as well. Right. And we did some of the peripheral vision uh, eye exercises and, and did some palming and, and went out in the evening. And she was just amazed at how much she could see at night and how much periphery she had. It, you know, she almost described it as a miracle. But of course, it's it's part of that anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. Working with that, knowing that you do still have, you know, pretty decent peripheral vision. It's just accessing it and tuning into it. Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought of one more peripheral loss possibility, uh -huh. which is what we talk about on the in the ebook and a lot of our work is deliberately aiming, having your life so centrally fixated mm -hmm. on computers or books or whatever that you actually 
So it's the use it or lose it phenomenon uh -huh. that people could just start to lose periphery by not paying any attention mm -hmm. to it. And it goes back to the brain adapting to what your function, mm -hmm. how you're using your eyes, your brain will adapt to that. So we do see some just peripheral loss from ignoring it. So Yeah, and, and, and time and time again, when we do the peripheral vision exercise at, um, at courses, uh, workshops, you know, everyone's just amazed um, yeah. at how much they gain in their periphery. Uh, I remember uh, one guy that we had that, to him it was like night and day. He came for presbyopia, but the peripheral vision exercise was just amazing to him. That yeah. He just all of a sudden gained this access to this world around him. And you could, you, you know, you could deem that as peripheral vision loss. It's not yeah, um, yeah. necessarily a condition or medical, yeah. but he's lost that awareness, just like uh, the, lose, uh, the, the use it or lose it, like what Richard yeah. was saying. And, it, and this is why um, we strongly believe that you could also improve night vision mm -hmm. for those of you that don't necessarily have as serious condition and also just improve your periphery, something that we're just switching off from uh, because our world is in front of us now. Yeah. Yep. Whereas before we were dependent on the world around us in order to survive, and now it's uh, a couple of feet in front of us reading in um, one square or... area, yeah. <laughs> a little square area, yeah. So you can see how there's a shift there, but what a big imbalance because yep. uh, we've got 120 million cells in each eye dedicated to the periphery, uh, and we're really underusing that and really focusing on the central vision. Right. And then um, you can see then how we get these overuse injuries with the central vision and we start getting macular edema, macular degeneration, right. uh, all these kind of conditions from then overusing our central vision. Right. So a nice quick roundup there on peripheral vision uh, loss. I uh, hope a bit more of an insight mm -hmm. into, uh, into underusing our periphery and, and also a little bit more about peripheral vision conditions and indeed how we can start working with that by the, having the importance of the peripheral vision exercises and gaining a bit more access to that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good time to move on to question of the week. And the question of the week this week comes from an adult who has strabismus or double vision uh, and is considering the surgery and asking our advice as to whether to do the surgery. So uh, obviously, uh, and I'm sure anybody uh, viewing this, uh, it's clear that we're not ophthalmologists. Right. Um, so, uh, so we're really not on, on any. Sort we do of have a surgical wit, though, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that probably should have said that. <laughs> probably should have said that. As sharp as a scalpel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're not uh, ophthalmologists. So obviously, you need to be consulting uh, with your ophthalmologist yeah. about um, strabismus surgery, uh, the pros and cons, um, find out a little bit more right. about um, any injuries or conditions or indeed right. the success rate. Um, but what they're basically doing is... And I guess this is where self-healing comes in. and we're, that's, we're, It's your responsibility to take that on yourself, mm -hmm. to educate yourself and make that decision. Mm -hmm. But it's, our, it's we're trying to educate you more about mm -hmm. why they're they're suggesting you do it. And it's it's common um, for us just to just to get questions about these sort yeah. of thing. Not necessarily for people to make their mind up, but they're just yeah. interested to know what the natural vision point of view is on this. Yeah. And in general, um, with things like this, because it's kind of more of a cosmetic surgery, it's not necessarily going to improve your vision um, because if it's turned down or it's from a young age. 
and it means um, that your vision is amblyopia, so you've got poorer vision in that eye. So even though they uh, say it's exotropia, the eyes pointed out, or wherever the eyes point yeah. inwards, yeah. then uh, when they correct the strabismus, you're not necessarily going to have any better vision between the two eyes because the brain is still switched off from yeah. that one eye. And the, they do shorten the muscles often to, to make the surgery happen. And we've seen people who then have um, shortened muscles and then we try and retrain the eye mm -hmm. and it, now they've got an imbalance in their muscles. So we would probably recommend, you know, maybe you're going to do the surgery in the future, but at least take the attempt mm -hmm. to train that eye first the way it is with the, with the muscles that, that nature gave you mm -hmm. and see if you can fix it that way first. Yeah, so in, in general, the idea is that surgery is kind of, in that example, is, is more of a last resort. Right. Um, and there's certainly Mia Schneider, who spent four, the last 40 years working uh, in this field, uh, strongly feels that, you know, there's no such thing as a simple surgery. Right. So it's best, if possible, just to try and work naturally with your vision and at least give it a couple of years, really dedicate some time to the eye exercises. Um, make sure you're doing it on a, on, a, you know, on a daily basis, really do that push before you think about the surgery or indeed before you actually go for the surgery. And then that way you know that you've worked your hardest. This individual says uh, that they'd actually improved their strabismus. Hmm. He's maybe been doing it for a month or two, oh, uh, yeah. at least 1% since he's been doing it. And that, uh -huh. that's kind of his uh, yeah, okay. take on it. So if if that's happened in a couple of months, one percent, then it shows that the exercises are working, and indeed you can recorrect that vision there. Yeah, and I think our perspective that's different than maybe the, the surgeon's perspective is they often give up on that eye if it's amblyopic or mm -hmm. turned out. They're just ah, you're never going to use that eye, so we'll just make it cosmetically mm -hmm. appealing. And we say, well, don't give up on that eye yet. That's basically our, the difference in our perspective. Because even if, say, you've got 2200 uh, in that amblyopic eye, then you could at least you know, work it down to 2100, 2080, try and bring it down to a level that's bringing more balance between the two eyes right. and gain improvements in that. And that's all part of the strabismus exercise is to start using that other eye. Right. And then eye teaming and start working the eyes working together. Mm -hmm. So just making one side of the muscle shorter, then you're not you know, having that effect. You're not bringing that balance between the two eyes. You're not exercising that other eye. So it's really something uh, that you want to consider trying to exercise first, bring more balance between the two eyes and do it naturally mm -hmm. before looking at something that's surgery. Yeah. And just like Richard said, we have also seen uh, where sometimes they overcorrect. So ironically, yeah. we're working to try and get their eye to come back. Back out, <laughs> I know. To where they were before. Um, so, and also you could find sometimes people, it's a client that we had, uh, where the eye turned back out again, even oh, though they right, had the surgery. Yeah, after the surgery, yeah. So um, it, it can cause uh, confusion and whatnot. And then it's strained trying to force it back again. So obviously natural vision improvement, we really want to work with things naturally. Um, whereas things like with uh, Mia Schneider's kids, congenital cataracts, uh, you know, the cataracts operation was, was essential, essential yeah. because the brain wasn't going to develop the, right. the necessary tools to see vision. So yeah. uh, just like tying in, I guess, a little bit more with what Richard was saying at the end, it's not that we're opposed against ophthalmology uh, yeah. or, or using visual aids. It's more uh, 
choosing when to try and work in a natural vision way um, and when it's something that you've kind of you're out of choices and it, it's really the best option right um, so if there is that choice to that you've got the leisure to work with your eyes um, then certainly we've seen many people improve their strabismus and indeed improve the amblyopia as well and get the two eyes working together so uh, certainly trying to work with the exercises is something that we prefer in that situation. Yep. Okay, great. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you want to find out more information on eye exercises or indeed natural vision improvement, then head over to the Envision Self-Healing website where you will find plenty of information for you to uh, yeah. start looking at. <laughs> start looking at some of the eye exercises. And indeed, we've even put up some programs there. So just look up your condition and you can find some eye exercises to really get you started as quick as possible and uh, start investigating the, the world of vision improvement and eye exercises. You can also get your hands on the free ebook, A Modern Day Guide for Improving Eyesight, where we talk a lot about the stuff that we talked about here today and indeed some of the basics and the, the, um, the underlining principles of natural vision improvement from uh, what we were talking before about the peripheral vision, how we used to use it naturally and indeed how we're kind of using it unnaturally in our modern day world. You can also follow us on Twitter, and indeed, catch up with us on Facebook. Just search for Envision Self Healing in Facebook. Like our page over there, share it with some of your friends or anybody that would find it interesting. And indeed, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or any sort of uh, video, there's so many different ways of watching a video yeah, now on the internet. Yeah. I can't count the amount of websites that we were on. But also on podcasts, you can also subscribe there and indeed share it uh, with anybody that you might find interesting, uh, that might find interesting, and indeed like it over there as well. Okay, great. Well, good luck with your eye exercises this week and happy healing. And have a good week.